Hey everybody, welcome to the Gamer's Way podcast. Today, um, this is just a bonus episode. Um, In the last episode, I mentioned that I was writing a book. Now, I have finished this said book, and today I'm going to read it as the bonus episode. There's only five chapters. Um, The next book will add on and on and on. So, the next book will be ten chapters, then fifteen, then twenty. So, and then... I guess the fourth, the fifth one, if there is one, can be a full-fledged novel, if so comes to it. Um, anyway, we'll go ahead and start. So the book's name is The Fall of Draetaria, Episode 1, The Three Childs. Chapter 1, The Village. I remember it. I remember it like it happened yesterday. The sirens and the screaming, the ships launching and flying into orbit without anyone. Then the bombs. They touched Jeteria. An explosion so violent, I guess. I was lucky that day to have been so close to the bunker. But my family? Well, they never made it. I remember watching as the world turned to dust and the screams fell silent. And the first unwanted were born. From the ashes rose a torrential rain of terror for the outside world. I only witnessed the beginning of the terror before a needle was stabbed into my neck and I passed out. I gasped as I woke up, thrashing and tried to kill. Whatever stuck the needle in me was not successful. I found myself next to an old town and wandered into it looking at the sign on the way in. The town's name was Marksville. I thought it was kind of stupid at the time, but... Soon I found out that the town was named after its current founder and president, Mark Edwards. He was a nice man, had a great sense of humor, although he had a strange feeling to him, like he was hiding something. He had a beautiful necklace. When I asked him about it, he said it was malachite, shaped like a diamond. His mother had given it to him before she passed of hyper-pneumonia. I said I was sorry for his loss and started exploring around town. The town was quaint, small yet peaceful and bustling at the same time. I came across a saloon named the Dwarven Swords Inn, where I met a group of bandits called AWOL. Their leader, Jason, was very cocky, but he took to me fresh. He took to me fast for some reason. I guess he saw something in me that I didn't. Me and Jason became good friends over the next two months, destroying and looting small farms and houses pretty close to Marksville. They finally had enough of it and gay, declared war on us. We got cocky and attacked right away. Jason and I were running side by side firing our weapons before a mortar went off next to him. When I got up, he was gone. I didn't know where he was. We couldn't find the body. He had been killed. They dubbed me the new leader and I yelled at them and I swore revenge and wouldn't stop until they were all dead. I decided to scout the town. I finally had a large generator close to Mark's house. I smiled wide at my plan. I woke up two hours before the attack with a painful brain freeze and a cold body. I thought I was dying. My corporal, he limped up to me and said goodbye before turning into a frozen cube and bursting into snow, covering me in the cold frost. During the attack, I was running in a small deformation in the ground, and the ground caved in, sending me down into the biggest beehive I've ever seen. Something was off about it. The bees just looked at me and tilted their heads. 
making buzzing sounds while slowly walking up to me. I was terrified. They walked up to me and started rubbing their heads against me like a cat and purring. It released so much stress that I'd accumulated and I started laughing. Uh, while running around and playing chase with the bees, I slammed into a metal wall, what I thought was a metal wall. It was a hollowed out circle with the panels glowing and vibrating attached to it. I noticed one panel had the words on and off printed along the diamond-shaped hole. I immediately recognized the hole as the diamond-shaped necklace that Mark was wearing. I knew he was hiding something about himself. I stayed and played with the bees a little longer before exiting the pit to find my corporal dead on the ground. I thought we lost. I was going to be hunted down and killed. Until I overheard some of the town's guard <clears throat> talking and sobbing over the loss of Mark. He'd been shot in the chest and said some final parting words. I didn't waste time. I grabbed some C4 charges in a remote and started off towards this tomb. When I arrived at the tomb, I was disgusted to see that it was lined with gold and other precious gems. I was glad to be doing this. The music was sad and the choir sobbed while I was singing. But I didn't have a care in the world. I was just waiting to get that damn necklace and blow this tomb sky high. After the ceremony and almost getting caught by a guard and killing him, I ran down to the tomb and broke the lock, getting in and grabbing the necklace from its gas glass case. I planted the three charges before going up the hill. As a bonus, the new president of this town was the man who had manned the mortar and killed my friend. He was visiting the tomb. So, I blew it up right as he walked in. The sound of the that explosion and the cloud of flames was the most satisfying thing I had seen that day. Well, besides the bees. I ran as fast as I could, practically tripping into the hole that I came out of. I ran to the machine and set the necklace down. I went to the bees to say goodbye, and one came up to me and dropped something at my feet. It was a pendant made of solid amber in the shape of a honeycomb. I said thank you and activated the machine. A blast of green and red light hit me in the eyes and gave me goosebumps. As the machine whirred to life, I turned and waved to my friends one last time before jumping into the portal. Chapter 2 The Island I awoke in a small cave with a flat floor and got up shedding a small tear for the bees. I wish they could have come with me. I walked out onto the grass and smell of fresh air. It was invigorating. I wandered about the island, finding new insects and animals I'd never seen before in my life. I got to a clearing in the forest and saw the wall. It was far away, but I could tell no one gets off this island. I was livid, but I made the most of it. When I turned around to go back, I saw a bunch of tribesmen standing and watching me. I did the finger guns and Hey, slowly. They cheered and gestured for me to come with them, so I did, and soon I found myself at their village. They were handing me food and drink. They praised me like a god. I didn't like them praising me like a deity, but I, I didn't mind all the food. They gave me the most delicious lime and root drink I will ever taste and asked them how to show me, and asked them to show me to make it. They did. That day they cooked fish, beef, chicken, and fried wild mushrooms. I slept like a baby that night. 
The next morning, I gathered my things and wished them a good day. They were sad to see me go, but thought I had some business with the other gods. I didn't. I started wandering some more. While wandering, I found a small pond with the root used for the drink in the water. So I grabbed as much as I could carry before carrying on. I wandered through a tundra that had some big mushrooms and a bonus cave in the light. I went cave diving that day. While in the cave, I kept hearing sounds like double footsteps. And when I turned around, no one was there. I finally got to sort of a bay in the cave. had veins of ice all over in the middle. It looked like a trophy with a diamond shape on top. It was crystalline and covered in some ice. After breaking it out, I heard the water splash behind me and something came out of it. I turned and was face to face with Jason, my dead friend. I stared at him for about a minute, saying, I thought you were dead, in a shaky voice. He explained that the mortar had hit the ground and opened a small hole in the ground, causing a rift and him to fall in. He said he got up and walked straight into a green film and then woke up here. We talked for about an hour before he told me he was on his way to an ancient place where he believes the next portal is. I asked to go with him and he asked if it was a real question laughing in my face and told me to follow him. After walking about for about 30 minutes, we arrived to a small fishing village on the beach. He said he woke up near the village and they thought he was a god. I told him I experienced the same thing. We grabbed supplies and a hide tent before walking to the palace. On our first day, we traveled to the forest where we walked, finding and documenting things. The first day was pretty uneventful, besides we got into a fight with the local occultists. The fight was easily won, and they prayed for us not to kill him. We didn't kill him, because we aren't bandits anymore. We're people in a strange world with unknown creatures and tribes. On the second day of traveling, we broke down our campsite before heading out to the wilderness. We found a large pond with some fairly large fish towards the end of the day. We caught a few and tried deciding on a name. We eventually called them Dire Trout because they are big, strong, and have a very deadly bite. We learned this watching it bite into a turtle shell like it was butter left out on a Saturday night. We eventually settled in for the night building our beds high above the pond just to stay safe from anything that is land faring. During the middle of the night, we heard splashing. I shined my light down to see what looked like a crocodile-buffalo mix. It looked me in the eye and then slowly lumbered away. I slept hardly the rest of the night. On day three, we had made it into the clearing where the cavern opens at night, which we had about an hour till night. Well, I started telling him that... Uh, while waiting, I started telling him about the beehive I'd fallen into friendly bees he just shook his head and saying saying you were probably hallucinating I said I wasn't he said prove it so I pulled out the amber pendant the one bee gave me and showed it to him his face was a mixture of confusion and hilarity he started laughing and told me he was sorry and he thought the pendant was actually cool our laughter was suddenly interrupted by the cave rumbling open Jason said come on in I followed as he jumped off the cliff into the water below when I hit the water, I thought I couldn't breathe, but realized that it was breathable water, and I could talk to Jason. He said this was the right place and that the legends were true. We breached the water 
the surface of the water into a deathly cold cave. It was covered in shimmering blue ice. We got out of the water, and he handed me something. A flower. I said this wasn't the time for anything and laughed, and he just looked at me and told me, Eat it. What? I said. He said it would dry us off and warm us up, so I took a bite and it was instantly warm and dry. I was confused. He told me to follow him around a bend and said, You've got to see this, in an amazed tone. I walked into the cave and my jaw dropped at the sight of the biggest palace I've ever seen, carved straight out of the ice wall. I followed him as we started walking. It was a big ice plain, flowers that naturally grew here. Trees sprinkled here and there, and it was awe we finally got to the entrance and entered the palace. It smelled like kiwi fruits on the side. Finally, we arrived at the next portal, surprisingly. Although the panel was covered in a thick blue ice, so we grabbed our picks and we began chipping away. When we finally broke the ice, I was surprised to see that the keyhole was the shape of the trophy-looking item I had found earlier. So after chipping off the ice that was on it, I plugged it in, and it lit up with that signature green and red glow. After you, I said, ushering him through. He saluted me, and then hopped through the portal as I did. I had a flashback during my dream of facility. I was being hauled down with restraints, and they told me I would save Loco. I asked what that was, and they said it was top secret. Chapter 3 the mines. When we awoke, we were still underground in what looked like a normal mine, but it wasn't. <laughs> there were dead bodies of mites everywhere. We both jumped up and moved against the wall. There was a sign that said, Welcome to the University Mines, and we both looked at each other and sighed. We'd made it off the island just to be stuck underground with about ten dead warriors from what I assumed were the crusade times. So we picked up some armor and weapons before heading into the mines. While wandering through the mines, we came across a tavern that was clearly abandoned by the owner long ago. We were surprised to find five old kegs with some of the greatest tasting whiskey I've ever tasted. We got drunk and confessed things to each other, and he confessed that his name was actually Logan. And I asked if he was joking, and he said no. We got into a screaming fit afterwards, throwing things and sword fighting with stool legs, hitting each other pretty bad before drunkly passing out. We woke up after passing out from the drunkenness, and he said he was sorry for lying. I forgave him, but I wouldn't trust him for too well for a while. We ate our breakfast before we began on our way. Tilga stopped for a few minutes to collect a rare metal while I impatiently waited on the path. We eventually found a large underground lake, and Logan looked at me and explained that it was a sacrifice lake, a drop of blood for the one thing you want most. Logan looked at me and explained that it was a sacrifice lake. Oh, I just read that. Sorry, guys. I told him I didn't trust him, and he said fine. He poked his finger, drawing blood, and reached into the lake, pulling a half of the next portal key out of the water. I just stared at it for a second before asking, How the hell? And he shrugged and said, Now you. I cut my finger and reached my hand in. And started, my mind started racing and I latched onto something. It was a map of the mines. Now the mines 
are immensely massive, at least 1,600 miles long. When I showed Logan this, his jaw just jumped. He said, ah, we ain't getting out anytime soon. I asked Logan when he thought of the map, and he said it was amazing that something could be that big. I just said, that's what she said, and he sighed and giggled a bit. I gotta make the best of a desperate time, am I right? We started walking the correct way before coming across a big spider, and the thing was about half the size of me. I'm six foot two. We decided to take a detour and go around. But luckily for us, there was a small swamp on the way. The mosquitoes were horrendous, and he said we should move faster. But then he stopped dead in his tracks. There was a small portal in the middle of a crocodile-filled watering hole, and it was active. We talked for a minute and then decided to try and get to it. We treaded carefully before getting into shin-deep water. The crocs immediately sprung into action and came towards us. We started cutting and stabbing them to death. One jumped out of the water towards Logan and I managed to stab it and send it off course. He thanked me and we started running towards the portal. The albino croc closed behind. At that point, I thought we were going to die. Before the croc jumped out of the water, I remembered that I was wearing my vest from the final battle of Marksville. I had a grenade on me. The croc leapt out of the water as I tossed the cooked nade into its gullet and watched it squirm around before a plume of water shot into the air. I screamed as a piece of fragmentation hit me in the foot, causing me to fall to the ground in pain. I kept hearing the phrase in my head over and over again. An eye for an eye, my friend. After I got bandaged up and we walked to the portal, it took us to another part of the cave. In this part, there was an old guard tower. We decided to rest there for the night. Inside the tower was a really rustic and old sleeping area. There were five beds, so we just randomly chose one. We ate the food stored inside the tower. There was bread, salted meat, some cabbage. So I made a stew for us. There was also potatoes, so it was delicious. We woke up to the cave opening, shining bright with light. My foot was still in pain, so we weren't walking too fast during the day. We came to a wandering trader, who was the first person we'd seen in days, weeks even. He asked if we had had any gems or metals to trade for food and weapons, and Logan pulled out a very rare metal, also known as Omalium. The trader said, Ah, yes, Omalium. You may pick ten things of your choice. As for your friend here, you may take three. Logan started taking food and a set of knight's armor fitted with jade gems and some slots around it. It was cool looking, but something really caught my eye. A small blunderbuss that came with at least 16 ammo pouches, and I said that. And he gave it to me as well, with the ammo. Then I set armor up to my head, and he presented me with the most beautiful piece of armor I'd ever seen. It was silver with a gold lining, and a diamond and emerald encrusted helm. I said yes, and he handed it over, and then asked for the blunderbuss back. Uh, I said okay, and I put it on, and felt as if I could take on the world. While on our way, we were stopped by a group of bandits who surprised us with arrows. I managed to block it with my shield and ran at them with brute force, while swinging my sword and cutting the bandits in half. Logan was smashing them with his great hammer. I finally got through their last line of defense and came face to face with the leader. His armor was almost made of pure diamond. His sword was lined with a diamond edge, and the base of his loadout was pure O'Malley of metal. We 
which is almost unbreakable if you don't have at least a great hammer with an amethyst head, which we didn't have, so we were forced to fight and dodging and getting attacks in when possible. After about seven minutes of straight brawling, he hit a sword on an amethyst stunk chunk sticking out of the wall. Luckily for us, when Malion comes in contact with the amethyst, it becomes malleable and able to be bent. His sword got stuck on the amethyst chunk, and Logan took the chance and charged. The man stuck out his fist and hit him in the chest, cracking his chest plate in half and sending him flying into a crack. I screamed no and rushed into the rushed, cracking a sharp chunk of amethyst out of the wall and stabbing his it into his armor, then stabbed him through the chest with my sword. He choked for a second and then exhaled and fell back off my sword. I ran to the crack to find Logan had only fallen about four feet and woke him up. I brought him up and he saw the body and was relieved and we started walking towards the pillars for the next half hour. When we arrived at the pillars, we found out why they were called the Wailing Pillars. The wind blew through them making a whistling, making a scream-like crying sound. We wandered through the pillars, covering our ears most of the time before coming into an opening in the cave wall. We guessed, as the sight of a crystal diamond formations taller and wider than both of us combined. We started chipping off pieces of the diamond and ran to the next exit while laughing our asses off. We pulled out the tent and set, up, set it up in a clearing not too far from the diamond pillars. The tent was pretty damn cozy if I do say so myself. When we woke up, we ate some breakfast and broke down camp and began on our way again. The next spot to get to was the Kenneth Lava Pools. These pools were very hot according to the map, so we knew not to get too close. We were three quarters of the way there when we came across more bandits. They just screamed and ran towards us. We both sighed and began to cut them down. These bandits were a lot easier to take down because their boss had already been killed in the last battle. After tearing through hide and iron, we made it to the pools and had to take off our armor to stay cool enough. The cave wasn't too long, so we made the bandit out in about five minutes. We took a look at the map to find that there was a village not too far from here. So we took that path. When we arrived, bells started ringing and guards started yelling and blocked the entrance. Under the name of Altia, we command you to cease, the main guard yelled. I looked at him and said, Well, we're proud of you for protecting your village, but we aren't here to kill you. In fact, we killed the bandit king. He's dead, I informed. The guards looked at each other and cheered and led us through, giving us food and drinks for the night and asking us stories about the fight. We had a lot of fun with the townsmen. They were a joyous people. The next morning, everyone said their goodbyes, and we got a couple gifts and supplies from the townspeople. We walked away as heroes to the community. The end of the road was near. We had no idea what was through the next portal. We talked over and over about it, and we finally arrived at the portal room. The other half of the key was already shoved into the console, and I stopped for a minute before Logan opened the final portal. The portal glowed with a pure purplish hue and made sounds of cave water drops and machine whirring. We jumped and through the portal after saying, See you wherever we wake up. I had another flashback to a simpler life. I was cooking a curry and my wife and kids having fun in the next room over. It brought tears to my eyes. 
When I awoke, I was in some sort of pod, and the scream said, Trial 4, unavailable. Please consult Director Wu. It trailed off due to a screen glitch. Chapter 4. The Facility. I saw a button that said, in case of emergency, press to open. I pressed it. The pod opened with a hiss and grinding up gears. I exited the pod to find myself in an overgrown hallway with more pods around me. I jumped at the sound of another pod opening and Logan exited the pod looking like he'd just gone to a business dinner with the guys. Ah, I see you're already out, he said. It's good to meet you in reality. I asked her where we were and he said it was his greatest creation, the main quarters for main headquarters for the local operations. Although the world had been destroyed, he put me in a pod along with himself to make sure we made it through safely. We talked for a few more minutes before he said, follow me, and I followed him into a massive open room. Logan cried out in fright, my beautiful facility, what happened, how long were we in there? I shrugged and said I had no idea, and he leapt off the platform onto the ground I followed. We walked for about five minutes before finding a vehicle. The vehicle was ancient and rushed beyond comprehension. We finally made it to the offices. We climbed and we climbed up a vine to the rooms and saw how devastated it was. We carefully climbed up the stairs, making sure not to fall. When we arrived at the top, he looked at one office in particular. We went into the office, and the sign on the door read, Director of the OBD, Mark Edwards. I looked at it in awe. Mark was a real person, not a simulated person. Along with my corporal, his name was Kyle Jackson. He apparently was the head of biology. We entered the office of Mark to find his skeleton. It was apparent he had shot himself in the head. He was holding a note. The date read November 7th, 2,933. 923 years after the end of the world. Logan started freaking out and I asked him what's wrong and he said we've been in there so long. We've we've technically lived longer than his company anticipated. We were almost 1,000 years old. I freaked out and asked him what the hell we were going to do, and Logan sat in silence for a moment, before saying, we need to get to the OBD facility, which was just right across the way. We immediately started going towards it. When we arrived at the OBD, we climbed up another vine that led right into it. We got into the OBD and realized how worn and broken it was, and I asked what the OBD was, and he told me it was to contain anomalies and dangerous prisoners, and I said, oh... We continued exploring. We explored until we found the OBD backup generator. Logan fired it up and the computer next to it started up playing a screen that said, Welcome to the OBD files. Last startup was 941.29 years ago. Logan turned white. So it's true. We've been asleep for almost 1,000 years. I asked. He nodded and said he didn't know what to say. Logan searched for any signs of life written in the, in the portion of the galaxy that Loco owned. There were no signs of life in any quadrant. It was at this point I watched Logan die inside. He fell back onto the chair and said he had failed. 
I tried to reassure him, and he piped up and informed me of his ex-brother's facility. I asked him the name of his brother's company, and he refused to tell me. I was confused, but I followed him out of the OBD. We climbed down the vine to floor level. The facility was covered in a partially thick jungle that smelled of iron. We eventually came to a bunch of tents. We knew they were from the original troops because of how worn they were. We grabbed medical supplies and then continued on our way. We came to a big opening in the jungle where there were big cracks in the ground. There was a... that were full of water. We treaded carefully around them. I looked up in my despair, and to my despair, there was a building that had fallen over into the crack ceiling. I just soaked in the feeling of complete aloneness. I almost fell into a crack, but Logan quickly grabbed my arm and told me to watch where I was going. We reached the exit of the big room we were in and had to crawl up more vines. The vines here smelled like a campfire. I was weirded out by this discovery. We walked into a hallway that was mildly overgrown. We reached a cryo facility. The cryo area was overgrown, but there was also a frozen area. He just said, Oh God, in a scared tone. I asked what was wrong, and he he said the hydrogen generator had exploded, causing a complete freeze-over, killing everyone in the pods. I asked why we didn't die, and he told me that we were far enough away that the only thing we would have gotten hit with was an extreme brain freeze and simple loss of loss of simple cognitive function for, for about 40 minutes. I said, wow, that explains the brain freeze I got before attacking Marksville. We continued to explore until we arrived at the recreational area, which was overgrown to hell. We trekked all the cells near the recreational area, and they were all empty. One cell door had just been blown off and was stained red on the other side. We just looked at each other and continued walking. We arrived at the ladder up and climbed to the ladder. We arrived at the main entrance area and we were blocked by vines and roots. The only way around was through the residential and restrooms. We cautiously walked through the restroom, through the bedrooms towards the female restroom. The male's restroom had caved in completely, so. That was basically not our choice. We entered the restroom and saw a wall that was really damaged, and Logan gave me the look of just why. We entered the restroom to see and saw a wall that was really damaged, and Logan gave me the look of just why. He ran at it, kicked through the wall, going straight through and getting clotheslined by a wire. He laid on the ground for a minute when I asked, Dude, you, uh, you good? Logan just started laughing and said, Oh, that's how you clear a room, boys. I also started laughing. We'd finally made it to the exit, so I was jolly. The roof was completely caved in, luckily making a ramp for us to climb up. Well, an uneven and sharp rebar ramp. When we surfaced, I saw the real world had been engulfed by the elements. There was a desert, a jungle, a glacial area, and on top of that mushroom forest. <sighs> Logan sighed and explained that the mushroom forest was where the next base was. 
we began our trek towards the base which the Vogan had told me the name was Liberty Outpost. Our final destination was more than 200 miles up north. We walked toward the city where we encountered some unwanted. They were shy creatures and they watched from the shadows of the wrecked buildings. We stopped at an old bar and searched around for something to eat or drink. To our surprise, we'd found a bottle of Kiwi whiskey, aged 933 years. We popped it open and tried some, and it was absolutely revolting, as expected. But it was something to drink since the alcohol had dissipated over the years. We slept in the bar for the night, waking up the next morning and finding the unwanted had brought us food. Although they were nowhere to be seen, we ate like kings that day and moved on confidently towards the Liberty Outpost. We arrived in the next city by sundown and I immediately fell to sleep. Fell asleep to the sounds of the wasteland. It was oddly satisfying. I woke up before Logan to find an unwanted watching me sleep. I was startled but calm. The unwanted had a familiar quality about him and then he started crying and said in his deep shaky voice, I was very startled by this, but soon burst into happy tears, hugging my son, who I had lost almost 1,000 years ago. We talked for a few before he sensed Logan was awakening and said goodbye before quickly leaving. Logan asked me why I had tears in my eyes when he woke up, and I told him I had a great dream. We arrived at the third city that had been merged with the mushrooms. We decided to continue through the night. We arrived at the first of three checkpoints. We had to wander around to find a way out. We eventually got out and we continued towards the second. We came across a pond, the water was purple. I remember seeing myself and thinking, why did it have to be me? We finally reached the second checkpoint where we found some more unwanted. We're singing in the background with those deep raspy voices. We got through and arrived at the third checkpoint, which was a vine-covered wall that we had to climb over. On the way up, I looked into a window to see my son waving at me, and I waved back. We got to the top. We found an old staircase that we walked down carefully. We finally arrived at the outpost. It was very old and abandoned, and we walked into the base, and I was amazed to see that inside was in better condition than the outside due to it being protected from the elements very well. We walked around the residential district trying to get into his underground facility. When we arrived at the facility, I noticed there was an old shuttle that looked to be in great condition. We entered the ship, and we were surprised to see that the ship was in great condition. We decided to see if it would start up, and when we reached the control center, we pressed the start, and to our surprise... The ship roared to life. Chapter 5, The Epilogue To anyone who finds this journal, whatever species you are, thank you for reading this story. Me and my friend Logan went through the greatest adventure of our lives. Write down this in the history books and record and find all the history on the human race. To whoever reads this journal, my name is Stefan. And I am one of the two survivors of the fall of Draeteria. Finn.
And that's the end of the story, folks. I hope you enjoyed it. It's the first of five, four or five books. Um, the second one and the other ones are going to get longer as, as it goes on. It's kind of like a journal that gets longer as people start writing in it. Anyway, that's it for tonight, everybody. Have a good night, and we'll see you on the next cast.